Hey everyone, we're back. This is the King of the Elephants podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Ray, once again, recording from the unfortunately not so sunny South Florida this week because uh, it's been rainy for the past couple of days. A lot of rain, a lot of thunder, a lot of storms, just a really miserable conditions in terms of weather here. It almost feels like I'm living in some part of Seattle, Washington at this point. <laughs> but uh, besides that, I do sincerely apologize that it's been a really long time since I recorded my last episode of this podcast. Let me just say this, guys, ladies and gentlemen, podcasting is a lot of work. It, it takes a lot of vocal power because it, a lot of the times my voice gives out sometimes and I have to like redo something, drink a little bit of water. And also it takes a lot of time to just think about what you're going to say and what topics you're going to do. And... I've been kind of just honestly, I've been guys, I've been kind of been putting it off, making a second episode. But you know what? You guys gave me a little reminder when I saw how many numbers my first episode got. And no matter how small they are, I do really appreciate it. And I'm so grateful for you. Specifically, I'm referring to the fact that 26 of you have listened to my podcast, my first episode of my podcast so far. And I thank you so much for that. You guys gave me, besides, some of you guys really gave me really great feedback, and I do appreciate that. And it shows that you really care. It shows that you really listen to my content, and I really do appreciate that. You guys make this thing keep going, and I hope to do more of these soon and possibly more frequently. Hopefully, more frequently. Going back to uh, last week. Not not last week, uh, last time, <laughs> excuse me, last time that we did this, I talked about, or rather a person talked about, their father's condition in relation to the COVID-19 pandemic, whether they had it or not, um, and their name was Madison. Um, I would like to speak about that. Her father is doing well and has recovered and left the hospital. And she gave me a specific statement to read about the circumstances of that, and I will read that at the end of the show. But let's talk about what we're going to talk about tonight, shall we? Um, so what we're going to talk about tonight is um, Joe Biden's recent controversial and seemingly racist statements that he made on Charlemagne the God's um, little show on, I believe it was Saturday night. And I will be talking about that as well as the just racist history of Joe Biden. Just there's a lot of stuff we need to unpack with him. Um, in addition, I'll be reacting to the Space Force trailer, which um, obviously seems like a response to uh, Trump's Space Force. It's a comedic movie starring Steve Carell. I cannot wait to see what sort of liberal bias they put into that trailer. I mean, it'll probably be funny, but you know what? It's it's Hollywood, so of course there's going to be a liberal bias in it. And then lastly, I will be talking about the movie theater industry and how it will be impacted by COVID-19 and my personal thoughts on whether the movie theater industry will die as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic or whether it will live just based on how many people want to go out and actually see a movie in person at a place with their significant other or their family so um going along with that um so it seems like we have a caller calling in um while we get this caller put patched into the system uh 
I will be going through a musical cue, and we'll be right back shortly. Well, um, it seems that we've just had a listener call in to chime in on something. Uh, I guess his name is uh, JT. Uh, JT, what would you like to chime in on? Hey, Stephen, how are you? I was wondering, you, you wouldn't happen to be a gamer, would you? Oh, yes, I am a, I'm a very big gamer. I play video games almost every day. I'll be honest <laughs> with you, kind of a sad thing, but you know what? It's a, it's a life. <laughs> hey, dude, we're in the middle of, of like a, a quarantine, so you got to find entertainment when you can, am I right? Right, yeah. Well, but anyway, so I thought of, if, if you look at um, the, the recent Call of Duty games, and you look at how now they're just starting to reflect um, combat realities. Now, I just want to be clear, I've n- never served in the military. I don't, I've n- never gone into combat or anything. But what I noticed from doing extensive r- research and l- listening to interviews by guys that have actually played these games and been the consultants for them, it, the, the, basically the feedback is they're getting more and more realistic. What do you mean by that? Well, because uh, take Modern Warfare 2019, for example. You, you have, you're fighting a, a non-state actor, um, the, the AQ enemy, which is Al-Qatal in the game. We all know that probably stands for Al-Qaeda. <laughs> yeah. and, which, and it reflects the idea of the proxy war where two states are not in direct combat with each other, but, they, but they're in combat with each other by supporting opposing sides of a civil war. So, so what that's showing is that it, it's, it's reflected the new reality of, of, the way war, uh, of the way war is, is actually occurring nowadays. Like say, for instance, you, you can see this example in Syria, how like the US is supporting the rebels, the Russians are supporting uh, al-Assad, you can kind of see that the games are now adapting more to the time period, whereas opposed when you look at like Call of Duty, uh, Modern Warfare 2 Remastered, or like any of the earlier Modern Warfare games, they're reflecting more large-scale engagements where it's like the Russian army versus the U.S. Army Rangers and just go out and see who wins. Right. Yeah, I definitely... When I first played the game back in October of last year, I definitely saw something like that in Modern Warfare 2019. There was definitely like a sort of like gray area when it came to fighting enemies. Like you didn't know if you were supporting the right guys at that time when you were playing the game. You were who was the remind me JT? Who was the what was the name of the organization we were fighting for? Like we were, were Farah and Hadir. Who were those people? I think they were uh, they were just called the resistance. I I, I I think that they only referred to them as like Fars or, or rebels or something like that. Oh yeah, because you could even see it in uh, U.S. international politics nowadays. Like sometimes, like we don't know whether to support rebels and we don't know who to support necessarily in these kinds of civil wars because you don't know who's in these wars. You don't know if these civil wars will turn out to be making terrorists because look at um. Look at the 1980s with uh, the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan. We were rebels in that war, or in that proxy war, rather. Mm-hmm. And guess what? The um, the Mujahideen who you're supporting, guess who was in it? Osama bin Laden. So and it turned it kinda, to Al Qaeda. Yeah. So it, it kind of reflects the nature of war, where there's like kind of that that gray area in Modern Warfare 2019, where mm-hmm. whereas, like you said, in Modern Warfare 2 it was black and white almost where you knew who the terrorists were. 
You knew Makarov was a bad guy. Um, you knew a certain army general in the game was a bad guy. I'm not going to spoil it for anybody who hasn't played the game, but I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, but there was, there's, there's so many differences between the video games of war that are being played now versus the games that were played 10 years ago. There's definitely a different dynamic there. Yeah, plus the fact... So particularly in 2019, they really made it because, you know, in any Call of Duty game, if you kill too many his civilians and that's not an objective like it was in one particular mission, you'll get a mission failure. In this one, they put a lot of civilians in, in like multiple engagements. Case in point, mission number two, where you're in the UK and there's a big terrorist attack, you're shooting terrorists, but you also have to like differentiate between terror, non-combatant and combatant. Then you have the mission where you're clearing the house. Oh yeah, that like, that mission was extremely controversial. I've I heard a lot of stuff yeah. about that. Yeah, it's like you're going to. It's like and actual operators will tell you this because I was watching a YouTube video. I follow this channel where they te- where uh, they take all these famous um, levels in video games and, and like show you how they how they were made. So they did like a lot of consulting with like ex SEAL Team Six guys on this. So the end product is. Uh, so so for, for anyone that, 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 um, that doesn't exactly know what we're talking about, when you're going through the house, you have a mix of guys with guns and guys without guns. So you really have to, di- have to like, differentiate really fast who's a threat and who's not a threat. It's like you'd enter a room, see one guy running into another room, and then just so you'd follow them to clear that area of the house. And then that person doesn't have a gun, but then they start moving toward an AK, so you have to drop them. So I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so stressful. <laughs> yeah, I, I've heard a lot of people say that this game is really realistic to like military operations, and I definitely believe that because um, the guns that you shoot in the game like act as if they're real guns, which, I mean, it's a video game. How far can you make it realistic? But you know what, that's kind of what makes the game fun, honestly, is how realistic the guns are, and especially a multiplayer. It's really fantastic. Oh, yeah. But, well, like, what... Like, Go ahead. But just going off of that, um, which game, which of the two would you think is better? Modern Warfare Remastered 2? Modern Warfare 2 Remastered? Or would you think uh, Modern Warfare 2019 is better in the sense of just everything? Which would you think? In terms of realism? In terms of realism? It's definitely 2019. Honestly, I thought 2019 was way, was the the best Call of Duty game that's come out. Oh yeah, I, I I'm definitely. Gonna, agree I'm, I'm, I'm going to make that claim. I know it's going to be a controversial opinion because you have great ones like Black Ops One, but hey, I play a game for a really good story. And let me put it this way: when I was go, when I was playing that game, once I got it to install because you have to install so many different parts of the game. It, oh yeah, those I, uh, those I, installs for Modern Warfare 2019 are a pain in the ass, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I played through the campaign, and I legit went to myself. That was the most fun I've ever had playing a Call of, because when you're playing a Call of Duty game, like take Modern Warfare 2019, a uh, uh, Modern Warfare 2 Remastered, great game, love it. At times, it can get kind of redundant and bo- and kind of a little bit dull because you're just walking in rooms spraying people, where. When you have a case in point, here's what makes 2019 more, more fun. And then going off of your point about the guns behaving like they do, they had, every Call of Duty game has had a sniper mission. The one in this game, 
you're making long range shots to the point where you actually have to adjust for like drop and wind. No other Call of Duty game, to my knowledge, has done that. There have been a lot of different war games that have done that, but not Call of Duty. I mean, some people, some people, when they hear that JT, will make the argument that um, in the very first Modern Warfare, you had a mission with um, with Captain Captain McMillan and Price, where you had to shoot uh, Zakayev in Rush in Ukraine, and you also had to account for wind pressure. What would you say to that? Well, you also have to address, uh, I mean, uh, adjust for for drop, too. Like, you pretty much just had to go for a straight shot a little bit to, to the side in Modern Warfare 1. But in this one, you actually had to aim also above the target a little bit, depending on how far away you were shooting it. And that's what I had to do. Right. Um, it was, like, really crazy. Yeah. Which would you say is better in terms of, like, multiplayer? I mean, I know Modern Warfare 2 Remastered doesn't have multiplayer, but if... Like just going based off the campaign of Modern Warfare Two Remaster, which which multiplayer would you want to play more? Definitely twenty nineteen because I recently got into one of the battle royale modes. I was playing that that cash one with a friend of mine, and it is so much fun. It is it basically what you do is you drop in, and then it's kind of like everyone it, the first team to like a million dollars wins. And and you have to hunt teams and then just steal their money and then the people with the most money are marked on the map to know who has the most cash. Yeah, um, I'm about to say something right now, JT. That's gonna probably piss a lot of my viewers off who are video gamers who like right. Fortnite and uh, and PUBG oh, and all these other games. Honestly, I find uh, battle royale games to be overrated, um, and that's not because Me too. not because I get killed like the first few seconds of the game, but just like. I don't know. I just can never really get into battle royales because it, the map, like I just don't like big maps. I'll be honest. Like no, I really? don't know. I don't like when when uh, it's just like a huge giant map and you get you the next enemy you see is like a thousand miles away. I, I'm not a big fan of those. To be quite honest with you, like I know a lot of people yeah. who are listening who will be pissed off at that, but you know what? That's my opinion, and that's that's what you tune in the King of the Elephants for is to hear controversial opinions and probably you get pissed off at it. So <laughs> yeah, that's, exactly. That's what, I mean, I can relate. It's like whenever I play games with my friends online, I'm always the one who for some reason knows where I'm going, no matter the size of the map. And they're all the way at the, like they're running the opposite direction of me. So I'm just like, just follow me, just follow me. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, did we answer the question about um, which one gameplay? Oh yeah, you did. But you said Modern, yeah. War 2, uh, Modern Warfare 2019 was better, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's a better all-around game. But I agree with you. I don't like how more and more games are throwing in Battle Royale modes for no reason. Like, it, like I don't think Call of Duty needed a, a Battle Royale mode. Well, I mean, the thing is, the thing is, I think game developers, um, because it's becoming really popular with, like, mainstream gamers, like casual gamers and even some hardcore gamers, but... It, uh, it was definitely putting the battle royales in these kind of games is definitely a business decision. Like they, they oh, need yeah. to make, they need to make money, especially during quarantine because people are home. Yeah. People are not doing anything. They want to sit at home, play a game. And this is what they got. They got, um, war zone, which is what they call the battle royale mode in kind of modern warfare 2019. And also mm-hmm. black ops four, which I don't like black ops four. Cause it's, just me neither. It's just a bunch of 
stuff that I don't really relate to. <laughs> a bunch of future <laughs> crap, which I'm happy that Call of Duty is going back to the roots of just mm-hmm. boots on the ground combat. And I hope to see more of that in the future. And I'm sure you do too. Um, but yeah, definitely games are becoming more realistic in terms of military combat. I definitely see that. Um, and I hope that that continues in the future because it's really re- a lot of really fun games. I just hope the controversy goes mm-hmm. away <laughs> because I don't, yeah. I don't like to hear triggered liberals going on the web chat. Oh, it's, it's too violent. Oh, you're going to offend the Russians. I don't care. It's oh, they a video did. game. It's a video game. My, fa- my favorite controversy was when it came out that tear gas was going to be a kill streak. So everyone's like, oh, great. You, you, you just made a, a war crime, a kill streak. Yeah, it's it's a because it's it a video game. People need to chill, honestly. People need to yeah. seriously just chill out. It's a video game. It's not going to hurt you. Like I might as well come out with the, the the voodoo doll and just walk up to a liberal and say, "Tell me where this video game hurt you." That that's basically what what culture is nowadays. People get offended, people say a bunch of crap and they just ruin it for everybody else. So I don't think that people should be offended by this because it's just a video game. It, it's a realistic depiction of military combat. And I, I would understand if a military guy was offended by it, but you know what? Still, it's a consumer product. What are you going to do? You know, I will say there was another game series that I think is really making strides. And that's a ghost recon because they have ghost recon breakpoint where if you're shot once, like it actually impairs your movement. And it, it, you can even get to the point where you can only use your pistol. Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't like, know that. Th- that happened to me. That happened to me. I was clearing a building and then I got hit so many times. I only had my pistol and I couldn't, I couldn't wrap myself in bandages because the enemies just kept coming. So I, I had a, so I just hammered at him with my pistol. Wow. I heard, I actually heard Breakpoint got bad reviews, but that's beside the point. Uh... I mean, it did because here's why they made it a, a loot and shoot. Ooh, loot and shoot. But fortunately, recently they did an update where you can turn the, the gear level and gear score off so you can just play the game the way it's supposed to be. See, I don't think that that, that has any place in games whatsoever. I think loot and shoots are stupid because here's why. I'm playing it, so I take out an enemy with my sweet-ass M4. Then he goes down. I pick up uh, loot. That's another gun. So I have to keep pausing the game pretty much every time I take it out an enemy just so I can stay, uh, stay leveled up to the point where I can actually continue fighting. Wow. It breaks up the flow of gameplay, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it kind of does. I play. I used to play um, Tom Clancy's The Division 2 a lot. I, I, just couldn't, mm-hmm. I just couldn't get into it. There was, like, I didn't really understand the story that well. It just... Like, the thing is, call me stupid, but I like a game where, where the story, like, is, like, not obvious. I don't want to say obvious, but it's, like, clear. Like, it's, the story's very clear. Yeah. I just didn't feel like The Division 2, the story was very clear. That's why that's why I couldn't get into it at all. Yeah, I did a lot of research into the story. It's pretty much a virus outbreak, but <laughs> I did a lot Topical of issue, into- right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was kind of a fun fact is that when this whole thing started, every day after uh, after doing online after the, uh, finishing up my college classes online, I would just play the, the Division Two because I felt, hey, it's actually realistic. 
now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That it just happened. Yeah, it's, it was it was very realistic. Anyway, uh, JT, thank you for thank you for chiming in on this ish, on this topic. Uh, it was very interesting. And no problem with the pleasure. Thank you so much. Anyways, uh, thank you everyone for listening to that, and we'll continue on with the show after this. So, uh, guys, I just wanted to say before the next segment that comes up that um, the next segment contains a lot of themes pertaining to racial discrimination and racial bias. Um, and I know that some people may get offended by the topic being discussed in the next segment. Um, so, I mean, that's the kind of the whole basis of the show is to bring controversial topics to, uh, the stage on the show. Um, but if you feel like as though you're going to be offended by what I'm about to say, um, I'll be talking about Space Force after the segment, so if you just want to skip over to that, that's fine. But I still think that um, this next segment coming up has some very valuable information and just something to really think about. Um, and again, I do apologize if you find anything I say offensive. Um, we could talk about it after the show, after you listen. Um, but just I ask everyone to be civil and just to be respectful towards everybody. I have no bias towards any race or any color. I'm just a guy talking about political issues. Well, well, well. Looks like we're back to talking about sleepy Joe Biden. Creepy Joe Biden. And as of this week, as part of the public's new consciousness, racist Joe Biden. And the reason why I bring up racist Joe Biden, is the fact that this week on Saturday, he went on Charlemagne the God's podcast called The Breakfast Club, and he said one of the most horrendous statements that any candidate could make from the Democratic Party. And the most blatant proof that the Democratic Party uses race for votes and does nothing for them with actual benefit. And here's why I say all of this. Talking about what he said specifically. What he said was if you are having trouble deciding between Trump and Biden that you quote ain't black. The fact that Joe Biden said this just proves the Republican Party's point about how the Democrats use race to gain votes for their party. No more, no less. And the fact is that the Democratic Party does not think that African Americans should think for themselves. It is evident in this statement. They just think that they will run to the Democratic Party and that they will not question anything. That's what they think. And that is a very highly racist sentiment coming from Joe Biden. He did apologize for it. He did apologize for it. But you know what? I'm going to put this out on the line right now, ladies and gentlemen. Joe Biden has a history. A history of racist statements and just racist actions that he's taken over the years 
of being a senator, of being a vice president, just everything in his political life. Let's talk about that now. First of all, when he was talking about his eventual President Obama, he was saying, and I quote, that he was the first articulate African-American, mainstream African-American, that he's ever seen. Okay? That, as if any other mainstream African-American is not articulate. As if no other mainstream African-American has gone to school. As if no other mainstream African-American knows English. That's what I feel like he's saying here. Or that's what he said. Just... For all the racist stuff they accuse Trump of saying, the thing is with Trump and his supposed racist statements is that they're all taken out of context. They're, everyone just likes to twist his words a certain way to make him seem like he's the bad guy. When people claim that he called Mexicans rapists, that was not true. He was saying that people, really bad people, are coming over from Mexico. And that's, that's, that's all countries. Bad people come from every single country. He was just making that point. That we are not getting the right people. We are not checking these people properly. That's what he said in 2015. But Biden could say the most blatantly racist shit. And he can get away with it. And he could, he could be the most popular vice president that ever was in the White House. Making little beads with President Obama as like friendship bracelets. Really? Just because he's on the Democratic Party. And he also said this about desegregation and specifically schools. He said that desegre- he said this in the 1970s, by the way. He said desegregating schools would cause a sort of racial jungle and create racial tension. As if... As, you know what that implies in that statement? That he thinks black people are violent. That's what he thinks in his mind and in his heart. I would know just based on what he said. He, he says the most blatantly racist shit and people just ignore it. People just push it aside. People, the media just pushes it aside. Nobody, nobody in the liberal media reports on it. CNN doesn't report on it. It's... It's a complete mess. A complete mess. And he, not to mention, he also voted for the crime bill that put a lot of African Americans in jail for the most innocuous stuff. And by the way, guys, by the way, Trump fixed all that with his act, with his criminal justice act that, by the way, was helped passed was helped to be passed by who else who else a celebrity an african american celebrity kanye west compared to joe biden trump let kanye west into his white house to talk about a criminal justice bill 
that lets people out of jail for committing nonviolent things. This this is what we're going up against, folks. A complete racist versus someone who's perceived as racist, who is scapegoated to promoting racism in America. Every time a Nazi, a crazy Nazi, decides to kill people, shoot people, protest in the streets like what happened with Charlottesville, they all blame it on him. They all blame it on Trump. But when Joe Biden says something really terrible, really stupid, they say nothing. They say absolutely nothing. And that's the whole history of the Democratic Party, ladies and gentlemen. You may not know this, but guess who voted for Jim Crow? Democrats. Guess who wanted slavery in America before the Civil War? Democrats. Guess who was against desegregating buses? Democrats. It's it's just a vicious cycle between African Americans and the Democratic Party. The Democratic Party will make promises. They will say, "Oh, we'll help you. We'll give we'll the government will give more money towards this group, this minority group. You'll be helped by the government in every step of the way." And there's just look at all the cities that are run by Democratic mayors. They're shit. They They're just some of the worst places in the world. Look at Chicago. Look at Chicago. Shootings every other week. Detroit, just a dilapidated mess because of Democratic mayors. Do you think, would you trust these people to run your, your country? To help all people regardless of skin color, creed, uh, background? No, I wouldn't. They haven't done anything for people. It, it just makes me so sad that people are brainwashed towards thinking this way. Towards thinking that that these politicians will help them. Well, newsflash, ladies and gentlemen. Politicians are liars. They're liars. They will say anything they want to get people elected. They will say anything to get votes and... You know what? What Joe Biden said on Saturday revealed his and the Democratic Party's true colors. It revealed their true colors. It showed us and the whole United States of America that the Democratic Party is full of shit when it comes to race. Now, are the Republicans perfect on this remark? No. Republicans are not perfect. But you know what? At least... We promote free speech. We promote free thinking. We promote free enterprise. We promote free everything. But most importantly, we want people to just live free and happy lives. Okay? Republicans voted for the Civil Rights Act. Republicans gave... The African Americans the right to vote, which Democrats blocked, by the way. So we have a better understanding. I, at least I feel we have a better understanding of race than the Democrats do.
or or ra- rather I should say the Democrats do have an understanding, but they just want to use it. They just want to use it in the most negative way possible. And I'm sick of it. I think people should think for themselves and just be whoever they want to be. Don't be don't put yourself in a box no matter who you are. Do not put yourself in a box. Do not put yourself down to your race. Do not put yourself down to your gender because politicians will will encourage you to do that and they will use it to their advantage to get you to vote for them and they won't do a single thing about it. I guarantee you that. Joe Biden is just a racist mess. This is the guy who they picked to run for the Democratic Party's ticket for the president? Like if I were if I were a minority, I would be scared shitless. I would be scared. Because he would bog everyone down back to the level that they were a long time ago. Because if Joe Biden says this shit, that's his policy. And like I said before, he voted for a crime bill that put African Americans in jail. For the just the most innocuous shit. So take with that what you will. It's just... The Democratic Party's a joke. Now I'll be reacting to the trailer of Space Force. Hopefully this is funny, and hopefully it's not too liberally biased, but we'll see about that. When I was a child, our country put a man on the moon. We're going back. How many times do I need to apologize? The president is creating a new branch in the United States military, Space Force, which marks... Okay, first of all, right there. The fact that the character that Steve Carell's playing is laughing at that just shows... It, it just gave me the whole tone of this movie. It's going to be just this whole thing where they just laugh at Trump the whole time. That's what I feel like this is going to be. But let's continue. We'll run. I don't... Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it has always been my dream to start something from the ground up. But space is hard. May I suggest that that become the new Space Force model? Is 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 the girl I'm seeing right now with the um, red suit jacket? Isn't that isn't that supposed to be AOC? It looks like AOC. It's at uh, 44 seconds of this video. This girl, the the person, the Congresswoman who's in this looks a lot like AOC. I don't know if that's who this actress is playing, but I I don't know. Let's check it. Let's check it out, more of this out. are you handling this? It's a little chaotic. And you're not the most flexible person. Are you running? Keep up. My main concern is our head scientist. This is the moon. Flat, desolate. The surface is actually a complex topography. Okay, thank you, Bill, the science guy. This is Space Force head media manager. We're looking for American heroes. Let me be more clear. We're looking for people who look like heroes. Okay, that's my first... That's... One of the criticisms I say 
I see in this is that they they say that they want people who look like heroes. I know I, I know it kind of sounds like I'm taking this like way too seriously that it's it is a comedy film and it sounds like I'm really taking this seriously. But the fact is is that the liberal media loves to do this with Trump. They love to make fun of him. They love to just bash him in every way, just make it seem like everything he's doing is fake. And that's what I kind of feel like it's doing here. It's telling it's basically saying that the heroes that we make, well, not make, but the heroes that we show are fake heroes in terms of the Space Force. And I, I think there's going to be some, there's going to be real military people that are going to the Space Force that would be really offended if they saw this. I'm not sure how they react to it. I'm not sure if they would take it as seriously as I would, but that's, that's what I'm looking at here. No other. If we don't get this right... It'll be the most cataclysmic failure in the short history of Space Force. Come on, Beth. You can do it. Let's get it all! Imagine colonizing the galaxy. Get up and probe! You can never know what it's like. Oh, damn it. It's the Air Force. Look who it is. We're going to eat your guts. So the game of mental chess has begun. It's hungry, hungry hippos at best. We are training for the worst case scenario. It's a lot of weight. And it's hot. <laughs> Who would like to give me a good reason why we should launch today? I say launch. Great. And you are Dr. Call me Eddie. Uh, Ain't a doctor. I go to a bunch of them now. Okay. <sighs> I just... Nothing in this trailer is really that funny. I just... Besides the fact that it's a little bit biased, I just I just don't think it's really that funny. I haven't really laughed at anything that has been put on the screen. I mean, I I'm I'm not really that much of a laugher. I it, it's really hard to make me laugh, but it's just it's really not that funny so far. This mission will be our greatest moment. There will be setbacks. But if you fall on your face, you get back up. Dad, I am so proud of you. My God, I have you. We're going to fall 13 the shit out of it. Space for spirit. Oh, oh uh, dude. I don't know why, but I'm just like cringing at this. It, it's just really just like safe humor. There's no, There's no really any sort of like nuanced humor that I've seen in this so far. It's just this really just bad like it, it just seems like a really bad like SNL sketch of what they think Space Force is. That's that's the vibe I'm getting with this. It's just a really bad SNL sketch. I mean obviously this isn't the full movie, but that's that's the vibe I'm getting just watching this trailer. Let's see what these suits are capable of. Oh my god. What 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 is Steve Carell wearing? I, I by the way, this laugh isn't because it, I think it's funny. It's just it looks so stupid. I know I know it kind of sounds like I'm I have a stick up my ass right now, but my god, man. I this is this is really humor. I I don't get this. 
Your heart rate is quite high. Turn back, Mark. This is the weirdest day. <laughs> that is cute. Mission accomplished. Oh, yeah, that was uh, that was something. You you definitely heard all of the sort of mocking Trump references in the trailer. And like I said, it just seems like a really bad sort of SNL sketch that you would that you would see on Saturday Night Live, just really just safe lines and just really just like stupid humor. I I mean I like Steve Carell he's really funny but I just I don't like this so far and let's let's just look at the comments and let's see what these people think down below. Uh, how many projects is working on this? This is obviously a prequel. This Despicable. This is funnier than the movie. This person says this is obviously a prequel to Despicable Me. This that's why I grew wanted to steal the moon. That comment right there is funnier than this trailer. I swear to God, that's... These... Spoiler, Creed is the president. Imagine Dwight giving a cameo role. Steve Carell in... Space is hard. Like... Why the heck is... If It's Hungry Hungry Hippos at best. Can I say that line sold me on the show? Uh, I It didn't sell me. I'll I'll tell you that. You have no idea how I can fly, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like, this is going to be a masterpiece or a catastrophic failure. Uh, I'm disappointed that's not, there wasn't that, that, there was not a, that's what she said at their, they said space is hard. I mean, yes, I, <laughs> I, I noticed that they didn't go for that. And that's why I said this is safe humor. Because they don't, they go, they don't go for the jokes that, admittedly, are there easily, but are still funny. Like, a lot of people are disappointed with that. Another one, it says, "Why did no one say that?" That's what she said after they said, "Space is hard." Um, there's just so much stuff here. Dwight disliked eighty-six times for not letting him join the space force. I swear, the comments so far are so much funnier than the movie itself, the trailer. And, oh, someone says she reminds me of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez at 42 seconds. Yes, I do agree with that. You noticed that too. Anyway, um, seven minutes of posing. Yes, didn't know I could be here if there was seven, oh, seven minutes of posting, excuse me. I was, I was going to say, there was a lot of posing in the trailer, but... Yeah, the comments are much funnier than the movie so far. At least the trailer. Just a lot of just... I don't know, man. I don't know if I'll watch it. I'll probably watch it because I'm kind of more open to the... Like, sort of liberally biased movies. In a way. But we'll see what happens. We'll see how funny it is, actually. Because we'll just watch how people rate it on Rotten Tomatoes based on the audience reviews. Because a lot of the sort of like leftist biased movies like the SJW movies get like really bad audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes like Birds of Prey and Ghostbusters 2016 with the the girl Ghostbusters but let's just see how this does because 
it, Steve Carell could win people over. But let, again, let's just see how it does. So the uh, very last uh, talking point that I want to bring up tonight is um, the future status of movie the-, the movie theater industry after the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, um, movie theaters are a very dependent business. And what I mean by dependent, I mean it's dependent on people wanting to go out and see a movie. People wanting to have the experience of being in a cinema, sitting down in a seat with a bunch of other people sitting in a movie. Now, obviously, Netflix and Disney+, Plus, Hulu, all these streaming services have come about. And it's kind of hurt their bottom line. It really has. It hurts. It has hurt their the movie theater business's bottom line. And you know what? That's just... That's just a changing of the times. People want, people have shown that they want to stay home, that they want to just have the convenience of being able to sit on their couch and be able to just watch something at home. And I really get that. And at the movie theater, people would have to pay for like overpriced popcorn. They'd have to pay for the ticket, candy, all this other stuff. So I would understand why people would stop going to the movie theaters even before this whole COVID-19 thing started. But just to push on that point, um, AMC has decided not to show any more Universal movies after Trolls 2 decided to go digital with their release. Now, um, what this event has kind of brought to my attention is the fact that movie studios and movie theater chains are kind of pissed that they're moving everything digital. Martin Scorsese has said in the past that he didn't want his films on Netflix, which, I mean, ironically, he put The Irishman on Netflix, so it wasn't a... it was kind of a turnaround but still the fact is is that i think people if they were to release movies on netflix and just online that they probably wouldn't make more money than if they were to put it into a theater and i think that's why there's so much backlash against them putting it the movies online because they wouldn't make as much money but the thing is, the movie theater does come with this cost, as I just said. Um, and it's just it's just a whole different ball game when it comes to going to see a movie at a theater versus sitting at home. It's like it's like going to an Applebee's or just any like casual restaurant. People like like I said, just like being at home. They just like sitting home. So people are also getting takeout meals at home, which, I mean, now we're kind of forced to do it because of the pandemic. But even back then, before this whole thing, Applebee's was almost close to going out of business. Because people just want to eat at home. People want to cook. People want to just grab fast food. People want to take out. 
And that's just the changing nature of the business. Technology is changing everything. Like people, look at shopping malls. People don't want to go to shopping malls. They would rather just buy something off Amazon, off of Walmart, online. And pick, be able to pick it up at a store. Or have it delivered to their house. It's, it's just the change in the business. That's, that's what capitalism is. Businesses adapt and they would go for what is easy for the current market of customers. That's just how it is. Look at, look at uh, Blockbuster. By the way, I love Blockbuster. I wish they were still alive right now <laughs> because it, I, I, I felt so nostalgic just going into a Blockbuster, like 2010 Blockbuster, just like smelling the popcorn, being able to pick up a movie. So much fun stuff. But anyway, going back to my point. The reason why Blockbuster died was that it didn't adapt to the new format of, at the time, what Netflix was doing was sending movies in the mail through an envelope. And that was back then. That was before they did the whole streaming thing, was they sent movies by mail. And Blockbuster had the opportunity to buy Netflix and to get this service before anybody else could capitalize on it. And they had the opportunity to do that. And Blockbuster just decided no. Blockbuster Blockbuster just decided no on that. And guess what? They went out of business. They went out of business completely except for one store and I think it's I think it's like in Alaska. So businesses either adopt to change or they just falter away. Like Blockbuster did. I take Blockbuster is probably the best example of this. The best example. And that's what I think will happen to movie theaters. Because movie theaters don't want to adapt to new ways. At least that's what I think. What I personally think. I think that the new technologies, the new innovations that have been coming out with movie theaters, like the phone apps, you know, the little phone apps that you ha- have on your phone where like it shows the movie times or you could buy tickets, get rewards for it. You know what I'm talking about? Like AMC movie pass, not AMC movie pass. What the, what the hell am I talking about? Just, I know AMC has an app. I know probably Regal has an app too. Cinemark, I definitely know has an app. They call it uh Cinemark movie something i don't remember what it was called but definitely feeder chains are moving towards more phone apps and rewards points for going to see a movie but the thing is there's still a price to it there's still a big price to going to see a movie in the theater like i said with the candy picking the seats for two people three people four people five people it it comes at a big cost okay and and also picking out your seats, where you're supposed to go. It's just the convenience of sitting down at home, watching a movie, is a lot better for some people. Now, people like me, like I would like to go to a theater and watch a movie. It's fun. I like to go out for a drive, go see a movie, do something afterwards, talk with the person I've saw it, I've seen it with. Usually I go out with a friend and just have a good time. I feel like 
that's the one advantage that going to a movie has over sitting down at your couch at your home watching a movie is that you feel like there's an adventure behind it. You're going to a movie, you're driving to the movie theater, you're going in, you're smelling the popcorn. There's an, a sense of adventure behind it. A sense of wonder, a sense of just everything good about the world. You could just turn your brain off to everything else. That's that's why I feel like movie theaters, in a way, would survive. But the benefits of staying at home are definitely outweighing that. And the fact that AMC made the possibly stupid move of move of taking out Universal movies from all their theaters. Same thing with Regal. They Regal did the same thing too. It's just it's a showing of the changing of the times, ladies and gentlemen. What I think that movie theater chains to do after this is I think and this I feel like this could actually work. This is my personal idea. Is that movie theater chains should have their own thing, like their own apps, just like they do now. Just like they do now. Where it shows the movie times, the um what the movies are, like what day it's coming out, blah blah blah. They should do that for an online streaming service for each of the companies, each of these companies. They should have their own streaming service, their own prices, so they can be extremely competitive. I love competition. That's capitalism. Capitalism creates cash, and competition creates cash. So I feel like that would be the best way to do it. Just every movie theater company has different selections of movies. Okay? One movie theater chain has one different price for one price for a movie. And another theater chain has a different price for another movie, blah, 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 so on and so forth. And that would create sort of like a competition between Netflix and them. Because the thing is, the thing is Netflix, the thing is Netflix puts on movies at random. They put on older movies, they put on newer movies. But the fact is Netflix has the sort of sort of, what would you call it, a detraction of taking out movies almost every month. Every month, one of your favorite movies gets taken off. Cut off. Gone. But the thing is with, um, from my idea, is that there would always be a new movie on there that's coming, that's been out in the cinema, that would go out in the cinemas if there were still movie theaters, that would be on their service, that people would be able to watch anytime they want. It, I would see it as something similar to like Amazon Prime Video. Where you would be able to buy a, a movie. Or rent a movie. You'd be able to do that. And then you'd be able to watch it anytime you want. You would just be able to buy the movie. Watch it once. Or watch it twice depending on how good you think it is. The studios would take a little bit of a pay cut. I understand that. But it would also be good for business, I think. That's just my philosophy. Bottom line is, I think eventually, whether it be very soon or very far away, I think the movie theater is dying. It's dying. Okay, guys. So um, one more thing before we end the show off for the night. 
Um, I would just like to read the statement that Madison gave me about her father's health, which I talked about last time on the show. We talked about her father have possibly having COVID because he was displaying the symptoms of COVID, just his hospital experience, his just his experience on this whole situation. And I would just like to give you an update on that. Uh, just reading the statement that she gave me um, a few days ago, and she said, and I quote, He's been home about three weeks and is doing much better. Uh, he uses an oxygen machine during physical therapy and after walks and stuff. Still don't know whether it was COVID because the antibody test isn't super accessible. Well, Madison, hearing that, I hope for the best for your father. I know that it already seems like the best. Um, and it sounds very good. So I congratulate your father on being able to pull through. And I thank you for sharing your wonderful story with us. Not Well, not wonderful story, but just a very enlightening story on how COVID and just health at this time affects people. And with that said, I wish for the, the best for the physical and mental health of everybody listening to the show, whether you in the, you're in the, the United States of America or around the world. And I thank you for listening to the show once again, King of the Elephants podcast. And I hope to see you all again very soon.